Hello. Hello and welcome. It's Trucking Answers. I welcome you here or welcome you back, depending on if it's your first time here. Hey, this is the podcast of the Trucking Answers YouTube channel. So uh, you probably get more here than you do over there at the moment due to some uh, hours and stuff like that. So let's uh, let's do it. I'm here with Gracie, my co-host, who's sleeping on the couch. But uh, she will be here at any moment. She's looking in my direction, even though her eyes are closed. So here uh, we talk about more than just trucking because it's a podcast, so I get to talk about other things. But we're also going to have trucking news as normal and yet another reason why we do not live on Mars. Do you know why we don't live on Mars? Well, it turns out there's a bunch of dumb, stupid, idiot people on this planet. And that's why we can't get there because they're stupid and dumb and they're also morons and also stupid. And we have to use our money to support them either in jail or through programs, whatever it is. And we can't use that money to send me to live on Mars. And that's why we can't live there. First, of course, we want to go over what was just said. I mean, look, I know many, many of you are Trump supporters. So let's talk about what Donald Trump said. And, you know, how that affects everybody. So, and I know that people are supporting for 2024 because I already see bumper stickers. So, uh, they're already out. I don't even know. I actually looked around. I don't know where you could even get them at the moment. Maybe people had them made themselves. Of course, here's a quote from Donald Trump. This is a quote. I, I don't like to, you know, paraphrase people if I don't have to. Here's the quote. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great fathers did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. That's a quote. Okay, that's not something I made up. That's something Donald Trump said out of his own two mouth lips. So, <laughs> it's so weird. He only has one mouth. Here's the thing, right? No, uh, I don't support that. I'm a huge Constitution supporter. If we don't like the Constitution, you can amend it. I've always encouraged people to do that because, people, well, the Constitution's wrong. Well, go amend it. Okay, you can amend it. You could change it. You can have a constitutional convention to change it. We could have a new Constitution if you could call for that and get enough people to vote for it. But just having the government or some governmental entity or whoever it would be suspend all laws, rules, and regulations, including the Constitution, uh, no, you're not going to find me supporting that here. Even though, uh, you know, many politicians barely support it and mostly don't follow it, uh, it's still the best thing we got at the moment, right? And we don't support, you know, ending all rules and regulations, including the Constitution. That's not how it works. Um, that's how it might work in some totalitarian dictatorship. Okay, that isn't how it works here. So we're going to have to say no to that. And as previously stated on this program and others, uh, I don't support Donald Trump or Joe Biden for president next time. They're both too old. <laughs> okay. So for no other reason, once you're approaching, you know, 2000 years old, okay, you can't run. So I don't think either of them should run personally. That's what I've said. I think that there could be better choices and, uh, you know, certainly they're really old. So we're going to say no to both of them on that. But this, I mean, this kind of thing, this is, I will say this, what do you supporters think about that? I mean, there are some really adamant, you know, supporters of Donald Trump. And I love it when people get involved in politics, no matter who it is. I want everybody to vote. 
I'd rather you voted for somebody I didn't like than you were just apathetic and didn't care. So at least have an opinion on something. So what do you think about this, what he said? You know, suspending all rules, including the Constitution. What do you think about that? Do you think that's an okay thing to do? Do you think that's what should be done? I know there are people that say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the election was not valid. Okay, I, I get that. If you think the election was not a valid election, okay. But does that, what do you do about that? Um, do you suspend the Constitution? And here's the other thing about elections. No matter which election, whether it's a midterm, a regular presidential, you know, mayor of your city, city council, whatever it is, bottom to top, there are so many people that do not vote. If the people that did not vote went and voted together, those people in their totality could elect whoever they wanted. And that's really a sad statement on on this country, uh, to be honest with you, in that there are so many people that do not even go vote, even though we make it way easier than it should be. You know, I personally don't like mail-in voting because how do we know who voted? You know, I don't like any of this stuff. Early voting, I could more get to because you have to go in and show up with an ID. So we know you're the one that voted. But a mail-in ballot, I really don't like them. Because you can mail a ballot, get a ballot mailed uh, to your house and heck, who is it? They'll do that here in Indiana. Uh, them, and which I voted by mail-in a couple of times. It's been quite a while since I did that, but I knew I was going to be gone over the road, and so I would get a ballot mailed to me, and they mail you, at least here in Indiana, and I don't know how each state does it, what they mailed me was a ballot, okay, and, um, the size of, I don't know, a couple of index cards put together, I guess, one piece of cardboard. And this was during the Chad time, so it had Chads on it. They mailed you a little punch thing so you could punch out your ballot, and they mailed you also a piece of cardboard that went behind this piece of paper that they gave you. So you'd kind of punch through the paper into this cardboard. So make sure you punch through. She didn't have a hanging chad or a pregnant chad or any of these other kind of chads or, you know, any other, uh, you know, chad. And they mailed you the uh, vote. So like a piece of paper that's, you know, number two uh, election uh, you know, for mayor, and here's this person and that person, that person, whatever it was. And you voted, and then you signed it, and you sent it back in in a self-addressed stamped envelope. They even give you the envelope to send it back in and everything. And so then it said on there, do not come and vote if you've mailed this back in because you've already voted because that's double voting. And that's how they did it. But look, I could have given that ballot to anybody. I could have had somebody else fill it out. And it said something to the effect on there that... Um, Oh, if, so, if you had to have somebody help you, like, like say you're a visually impaired, as they say, right? You're blind as a bat. That's how I say. Right? You're getting it mailed to your Ray Charles. All right, you probably can't fill it out yourself. Uh, the person that helps you fill it out is supposed to sign it. Also, maybe you can't read. Okay, there are people that can't would not be able to read that. And uh, like my grandfather dropped out of school in third grade. Although he read, he would read the paper and stuff. But I mean, there are people that just can't read for whatever reason and if somebody has to read it to you if somebody has to assist you in any way they're supposed to sign it whether that happens or not i don't know but i know this that once that ballot leaves them there's no telling who gets it and heck you don't even know if they got your ballot to be honest with you i suppose you can check later whether you actually voted because if they didn't get your ballot maybe it would say you didn't vote i don't know but i don't like mail-in ballots at all for any state if you want to have early voting 
Okay, I don't know why people don't go vote on the voting day. But okay, like they do early voting here, you got to show up with an ID. That's okay with me. But uh, a mail-in ballot, not as big a fan of that as uh, as you might think. So I'm out for that kind of stuff. So I went on to TeamsterWear.com. It's not sponsored or anything. And I ordered some Teamster stuff to wear at work. So I think it's super funny. It aggravates them to no end at work. And so I have pins and stuff like that that I wear that say Teamsters, that kind of thing on them. Yeah, that uh, that aggravates them to no end at work. Because you know who gets paid for all their time? Someone in the union. So, uh, you know, you have a much better chance of keeping your job over incidents, stuff like that. So you can say whatever you want. But I'll tell you what, if a company, they're so opposed to stuff, I know it's probably got to be good for workers. You know, and that goes to this rail strike thing, which... The government just imposed a contract on them. I don't agree with it at all. And they should still walk out of work because people can't make you come to work. That's not how the United States works. Of course, uh, not being a lawyer, but I'll tell you what, you don't have to provide your services to anybody for any length of time that you don't want to provide it. So if they don't feel they're getting a good job, they should walk out. And here's the thing. this I heard this uh, you know, on Hannity, among many other shows, complaining that, you know, oh, I can't believe they still want to work out. Look at all the money they're making. They got some kind of 24% raise or something like that. That isn't what they were complaining about, though, was it? No, they didn't want the money. They wanted time off. Okay, they wanted time off. <laughs> Companies like the company doesn't want to give them any time off. It's got to be super aggravating for people to work day in and day out and day in without any time off. And what they wanted was some rest, basically some time off. And the the railroads didn't want to go with that. And I guess they got a few days in this imposed contract, but not what they wanted. Look, the money wasn't the problem. The time off was the problem. They wanted more time off off because they realize what everybody eventually realizes i suppose that the most important thing in life is certainly not work or a job and that is your off time as we come up to the holidays here it will be your off time with your family are you going to be are you going to be like boy i'm so glad i can work on christmas or people happy that they are at home with their family on christmas that's where i'll be uh we'll be traveling on that day to uh, probably the wife's oldest daughter's house because it's the biggest house of everybody in the area. So, and it's kind of centered. So everybody will show up there. I won't be traveling to work that day. Right. So, uh, and if I did go to work, I wouldn't be grateful for it. I'm, oh, I'm so thankful I get to come in on Christmas. So I did work one Christmas some years ago, but that's, uh, that's been the last one for a while. And for us, it's a paid holiday. I hope it is for you as well. There's another thing out here about these nuclear verdicts, or as George Bush would say, nuclear verdicts. And what they're suggesting is that, you know, these can't become the norm in the industry because then they always go back to this Werner verdict where this car slid across the highway and hit a Werner truck that wasn't doing anything wrong. And the company's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have to pay this money. Companies are like, you know, the driver's just out there doing his thing. Companies would like to absolve themselves of these things and say that they have no responsibility, but in fact, they do. When a company decides to put a camera in the truck and watch you 24 hours a day, when they monitor how fast the truck goes, when they monitor all these side swipe and these blind spots, and believe me, 
Okay, for you, like I have this on my truck. Okay, I have blind spot thing and all these other goofy things, advanced, uh, you know, adaptive cruise and distance cruise and all. Every time those things go off, it records that. Okay, which they can look at later. So don't think like, you know, they have that and then they have, you know, the log, they monitor your log. And then they also have time when they don't pay you. So you do a 500 mile run and get paid 480 miles, all these things. And then the company's like, oh, we don't want any responsibility for anything. No, I don't think so. <clears throat> you know, if the company's going to go through all this trouble and basically want to drive the truck from their computer screen at their office, then, yeah, they got to eat whatever happens to the truck, too. If you want the driver to be uh, autonomous from the company, which is what they'd like the truck to be, then let the driver drive the truck. But you can't send a driver out, not pay him for all their time, monitor them 24 hours a day, gripe at them every time there's an alarm that goes off in the truck, and nag them to death with all these stupid alarms, the lane keeping and all these blind spotting and all these stupid things. You take a right turn and the stupid a blind spot thing goes off because it's reading the fairing underneath the trailer come on <clears throat> as soon as i get in the truck as i talked about i turn all these off as soon as i can up i remember to do it until once they go off i turn them all off and that's what all these warnings have done for drivers is they just make you turn them off because they're too intrusive they're way too intrusive i was wondering why can't it be like a car like, I have this stuff on the car and the escape, but I don't have it make any noise. It just gives you an alert in the dashboard. That's, or on the mirror, uh, blind spotting cars is out on the mirror. That's way better. But companies can't absolve themselves of these accidents when they are basically driving the truck from the office as a dispatcher, as an unlicensed dispatcher. Someone who's not even legally allowed to drive a truck is the one who's making decisions for you. And you say, well, no, they're not. Well, okay, have you ever been talked to? They just had somebody in the office the other day. Not me. Okay, and they're griping at him because he was going four miles an hour over the speed limit. Okay, should he be speeding? No. Should they pay you for all your time? Yes. Okay, should they pay you for all your miles? Yes. And so what happens is they try to uh, they try to impose this, and they always do this, you know. Oh, well, you know, it would really help us if you blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, well, it would really help me if you gave me more money. So I guess we get, we're get at an impasse. You know, I don't know what to say about that. So, you know, that's uh, that's a real problem. They don't like that kind of, they don't like to help you, but they want you to help them. So while they're while they're doing all this and saying what a big family we are, oh we're we're just a family. It's just a big old big old hug. It's just a big hug fest. Well, then you can all join in and the uh, be all part of the settlement family. You know where we settle these companies. Well, we're afraid that juries, yeah, because they are getting to know that you know most trucking companies stink. You know they don't pay you for all your time. They don't pay you for all your miles. They want you to drive. Uh, maybe you can just drive a little more or whatever. Hey, why don't you PC that or whatever? Well, and then this is what they get. So that's too bad, ATRI, you know, who's the one who published this little study out there. That's what happens when your, you know, ATA member companies mainly, plus certainly many others, do this to drivers. Then they have accidents and then you have problems. You know, we have people here on call 
that are can be called anytime. And so, okay, so well, how do you think that works for sleep? Are you supposed to sleep 24 hours a day? You know, I've griped them many times about that, saying, look, when some of these people have accidents, and one person did have an accident a few years. How many years has that been? How long has he been out? Maybe five years. Okay, fell asleep, ran right into the back of a truck that was in front of him. Because why? He had this, he'd been up day and then night and then day and then like night and then super night. And that was it. That night, gone. He almost died. Okay, they had to helicopter him out of there. He will never come back to work. He'll be out. He can't work. He's 100% disabled because of that. And that's, I think that's the company's fault. You know, I put that right on the company. I would say, absolutely. I tell him to get a lawyer. He never did. Okay, I certainly would have right away. Because uh, they're basically forcing you to do that. Well, Mark, nobody forces you. Well, you know, they shouldn't have the schedule that makes it, uh, that even allows it. You know, they shouldn't even allow it internally as a company. So, uh, but he never did. And that's what these companies do. And then, so the settlements, that's what they get. That's what they get for it. Now, did you see this person in Kansas City that had this accident? And I thought it was kind of curious because it said trucker of 14 years has their first incident. So this person who'd been driving 14 years with no tickets or accidents, he had a bridge, a low bridge. There's a picture of it. The bridge is marked clearly 12 feet. And it also says that before the bridge are blinking yellow lights that mark it 12 feet. Well, why would you hit the bridge if it's 12 feet? Uh, is somebody following their GPS? Only it didn't actually say that in there. I'm just wondering, how do you not see the signs? How do you not pay attention? And I don't know if it's that or if it's complacency, which, uh, you know, I talk about sometimes at our safety meetings that people over time get complacent and they just think, oh, well, you know, nothing's happened, so nothing's going to happen. But each day is a new day, and you should always be following signs and uh, that kind of thing. Now, would I fire this driver? No, probably not. I've always said that, you know, after five years, I'd, as, long, as long as you don't kill somebody or have a DUI or whatever, I probably wouldn't fire you on the first accident because you've been here. If you're a good worker, I'll keep you. But I do think, you know, well, you wrecked the truck and trailer. I will say that. <laughs> There's a picture of it. There has to be some kind of understanding with the driver on why we're hitting a 12-foot bridge that is clearly marked on in a day when the weather was not terrible. And it also has blinking yellow lights. Why would that happen? Why are we not looking? Why are we not looking? Every sign should be looked at. You know, every light should be studied, examined, all this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, safety is an all-the-time thing, right? Safety is no accidents, as they say. So uh, I don't know. But I thought it was something that somebody 14 years had hit a 12-foot bridge. It just seems like something that either somebody new to the industry or somebody young would do who's only, uh, you know, relying on technology, which they should never do, instead of relying on what they actually see in front of them. So I said I would talk about this, and here we are. What do you think about the fuel emergency in the Dakotas and Midwest and all that? So what they've done is allowed a waiver for drivers to deliver fuel and fuel products like fuel oil and propane or whatever it is to heat your house, to drive your car, to drive your truck around. Because they said, you know, oh, there's not enough drivers. And what, of course, what happens is then there's no incentive to give you a raise when they can just work you more. Okay, so you really don't want these extensions. But further than that, what I talked about in the Sunday rant is 
hours of service, which are proven to be, you know, they're not any kind of safety thing, really. They do help you so that you do not have to be forced to drive 24 hours a day by your carrier. So there's also that. But what if the waiver for them was the hours of service? What do you think about that? That's what I wanted to ask everybody today. So the waiver is this, that you can drive, you know, deliver loads as long as they're part of the exemption of these loads. But if you tell your carrier that you are tired, they have to give you a break. What do you think about that? Now, this is a little different in that they have to give you a 10-hour break. Okay, so if you tell them, hey, I've delivered however many loads, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, and you go, I'm tired, then they have to give you 10 hours off before they make you do any more work. And what people have always told me is, Mark, 10 hours is too long. And I agree, right? I don't sleep 10 hours, so it does give you time to shower in that. But still, you still end up sitting a lot of time rather than driving. And I think I think it has to be a set number. I do think it has to be a set number in that if you said, I'll start driving when I feel better or when I'm not tired, that could allow the carrier to put the squeeze on you. Okay, because we don't want that. And believe me, it will happen. Well, well, how about five hours? Why don't you get up and start driving? You know, or some carriers who shall remain nameless that have blue trucks may call, call you or send the police to wake you up, you know, in three hours or whatever it is. So, uh, you know, a check, a wellness check on you. So I do think it needs to be some type of time. Is 10 hours too long? Maybe. But it needs to be a set amount of time that you say, if you say you're tired, they have to give you a set amount of time off before they bother you or anything like that. What do you think about that? Would that work out better for hours of service? I will tell you this. I think it would work out a lot better for parking. I think that would help solve a lot of parking problems. The way the hours of service are set up now, it's just horrible because of the way freight moves. They just don't match up. I like them in that they hold the carrier accountable. I like that part of it and that it's not forcing you to work even more than you already work. But what if you could write to them? And I would tell you, look, don't do this by phone. Don't ever talk to your carrier by phone. Do everything in writing. Okay. And if you do talk to them on the phone, Hey, can you do this? Yes, yeah, sure. Send them a text or an email, however you communicate with them, immediately after the call, a contemporaneous response, meaning right then, and say, hey, this is uh, you know, a, an in-writing response to the call we just had, and this is what I'm going to be doing. Okay, so, and it's going to be this and that, whatever. Write it all out so that there's no question about what's going on, just so you have it. But you send... You're tired and you send your carrier a message. Um, after this load, I'm going to be, I don't know, I'm going to be taking a break or I'm going to be off or whatever. And then they have to give you the 10 hours off or eight. Maybe it's eight. I think that would solve parking. It would solve a lot of parking problems. You could park at a time that's more convenient to you. Maybe eight hours, right? Maybe eight hours. It could do that. I think it'd work out a lot better. I think it would work out a lot better for a lot of people. You could get more done. Now, the downside of this, of course, is you would not get any more raises. Because the less pressure there is on the industry, the less money you'll make. You'll have to work more. But, you know, from everybody that writes to me, I just can't I just can't change people's mind on that. People would much rather work more than make more money. 
Uh, it's 90-10 split on that. I just cannot get through to people that they should make more instead of have working more. But people just won't go along with that. So they're like, Mark, that work. <laughs> Why would I want to make more when I can just work more hours? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's a better idea. I just can't. I just can't do it. So I, I don't know when I'm telling people, well, instead of working more, why don't you just get paid for the time you're not being paid now? Imagine how much more you make. Oh, Mark, that's crazy talk. That's, why don't I just work 100 hours a week and, and have 40 of it unpaid? Wouldn't that be better? So I guess that's where we are. I mean, I, I guess that's it. So what do you think about this plan that they have of just making it the nationwide hours of service that you can drive until you tell them you need a break? And the other side of this has to be, has to be, that if you have any kind of an accident and you are tired, that's 100% on you, 100% on you, because you can tell them at any time, I need a break, and they have to give it to you. They can't say, and so if they start arguing with you, boom, then we have it, and then it's 100% on them. So... If you're willing to accept that, that if you're tired and there's any accident, it's 100% on you. They fire you. You got to pay it, whatever it is. So are you willing to take the responsibility for it if you're willing to take the responsibility for it? What do you think about that? And this getting paid thing, I guess that'll just be a me thing where I want to get paid. And uh, other people are like, no, I'd rather just work even extra hours to make up for all the time that they don't pay me for. So. That's uh, that's where we are on that. Let me know what you think about this hours of service thing. Okay, truck parking is back in the news also. So I had an idea to help solve some truck parking. Now, I don't like people parking on the ramps, but what if, what if we use the ramps this way? There are some ramps that are really wide where you can get, you're on the ramp and there's the fog line, right? And to the right of that is like a shoulder where many people park. What if we extended that one more truck width? So that you're parked on the ramp, but you're 12 feet away from the fog line. How many trucks should you park on each ramp? Let's say five trucks, maybe six trucks. Now I looked up and the best I could find there are around 17,000 exits in the United States on the interstate system. Now some of those are exits for other interstates, okay? And some of them are in town where this wouldn't really be practical to do. So like I-6570 interchange, that's an exit. So we can't use any of those. But what if, uh, you know, what if half of these could be expanded? What if, I don't know, what if 8,000 of them could be expanded? What do you think about that? Where we could park trucks on these on and off ramps. So 10, say 10 trucks, that's 80,000 parking spots right there. By simply expanding over one truck width on the on and off ramps that gets you away from the flow of traffic so people don't run the back of you and some of them are longer so you'll get more trucks like that but i think we could add eighty thousand truck parking truck parking spots pretty easily by just expanding on and off ramps so that you're not parked right in line so look on some of these ramps the drivers are parked over the line into the travel lane and, and that's super dangerous also i see trucks parked way out onto the interstate on especially on rest areas going by that wouldn't even be a that wouldn't be allowed either but if there was all this extra parking where nearly every on and off ramp was going to have parking 
What do you think about that? Now, you know who's going to oppose this? Truck stops. <laughs> okay. Remember during the China flu, I mean, COVID, when uh, they had, in some states, they set up food trucks at rest areas because it was hard because the government illegally, uh, I mean, with our best interest, closed all restaurants and stuff like that so that we didn't hurt ourselves. And you know who opposed that? Truck stops. They're like, no, they have to come and buy their food here at our overpriced truck stops, which is not really overpriced, just expensive. They, of course, can charge whatever they want. But so they opposed a food truck. I can't imagine wanting more parking because then you'd be less likely to park at the truck stop. It's also faster on and off that way. Uh, you know, to get on and off the interstate, you're already right there. You just get start driving. So I think this is a good way to get some parking set up on the interstate system that is safer so we can move the trucks over. And, uh, you know, maybe we could teach people how to drive around these exit ramps and stuff. I think you can get 80,000 truck parking places at the lowest cost by doing that without having to build multi-million dollar parking, you know, lots where they only park 100 trucks in them that are all, you know, paved over and everything. I think this is one way to do it. Will it happen? Well, NATSO, the National uh, uh, Truck Stop Owners Association or whatever, won't like it. And all these big truck stop chains won't like it. But I think it's a good solution. Of course, though, money talks in this country. So these places will donate, donate money to their favorite candidates. Of course, not for any political purpose or whatever. And then maybe tell them not to support this. You know, not that that ever happens. I'm just saying it's a possibility that it could happen. In other news of why car dealerships should all close their doors and hang their heads in shame, we have an article by um, a person who wrote in and had all the documentation here. So this is all documented. They were buying their mom a car. Very nice of them, although she's in her mid-70s. So, uh, you know, that goes without saying that, you know, about that. Anyways, he's buying her a Bolt, Chevy Bolt electric car. And he found one at a dealership, you know, somewhere else. And they were selling the car at sticker price, which is unusual anymore. So what he did is arrange to buy the car. He sent a check to them. I don't know why you would do that. But he sent them a check for the car price, tax, everything, plate, whatever all. And she was just supposed to go pick it up and leave. All right. But when she gets there, apparently, as he recounts in his story, uh, they are selling her an extended service contract for this car. Because why? Because they're scumbags, which was $2,000 and included such things as oil changes for life. A Bolt is an electric car that does not require any oil changes because it doesn't have oil okay like a regular ice car as they call it an internal combustion car okay you don't go take it in for oil changes so what he should have done okay what he did do is call over there and gripe at them and you know they oh they're like oh we didn't know you know that uh, you know i guess they didn't know that a reporter was <laughs> The son of the person buying the car and was the actual one buying the car where his mother was picking it up. So they canceled all that right away and didn't charge for it. But what he should have done is cancel the whole car sale. See, that's why you don't send the money over there. They already had his money, though. 
And this is why dealerships are scumbags. Okay. And why, if nothing else, I like the Tesla buying experience. You just go online, you pick out the car you want, the color, figure out how to pay for it. They'll either finance it through there. You can finance it yourself. You can send them a check, whatever. And then the, they give you a date and the car shows up. Okay. You go get your car. That's it. There's not all these, you know, problems like this. And the writer of the article who seems surprised, he's like, oh, apparently there's an incentive for the salesman to sell, you know, these contracts. Yeah, duh. Okay. I will tell you from being a car salesman, a lot of times the service contracts and the after sale stuff, you make more money on that than selling the car as a salesman. Way more because there's so much profit in it. And you get paid on a percentage of the profit. I cannot imagine the profit on a $2,000 service contract on a bolt because there's hardly anything they have to do to it relative to an internal combustion car. So I bet that contract only costs the dealer two or $300. So the, the profit, I bet it's easy, $1,500 of profit on that. And, at, you know, at 25%, you're looking at 400 bucks, whatever, 375 on that for the salesman you may not make that on the car especially at sticker there may only be you know a few thousand dollars of a uh, profit in that car so i bet it's close i bet it's close with packs and stuff like that which i've talked about on the show and how that packs and stuff work at the dealership you could double or you know almost double the commission that you get on the car for selling that kind of stuff they probably sell rust proofing and stuff like that is that still being sold at dealerships no they didn't offer me any of that on the escape that's the last new car i bought uh, I wonder if some places are still selling rust proofing and stuff. Do you know you don't have to rust proof your car? We had a guy at work rust proofed. He took the Z-Bart of all places and rust proofed his pickup truck. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? He paid like $1,400 for it. I'm like, dude, why don't you just wash the car? You can get a car wash thing here for $20 a month and go wash your car in an unlimited amount of times, $240 a year. Uh, so, And it'll always look good. Uh, so I just wonder if they still sell that. But here's this dealer trying to sell an extended service contract to what, who they think is just some uh, old lady. Uh, this, uh, let's sell this old broad a thing. I'm, that's how they talk in there. Okay, so get used to it. We'll really scam her on this. And then like, oh, crap, her son's a reporter. You know, uh, she's lucky. She's lucky. So I wonder how many other people at that dealership have bought these kind of bought. Did I sound like I was from New York right there? What do you think about that, Gracie's? So I wonder how many other people at that dealership have bought these scam contracts from them for these maintenance things that the car doesn't even need. When I was uh, selling cars to the Saturn dealer, we had a Saturn dealer, and they encouraged you very much to sell rust proofing at the Saturn dealer. I don't know if you know this about Saturns, but the body panels of the car are polymers. They're basically plastic, Okay. Uh, it had a metal structure to the car, but the panels kind of clipped on and off the car. That was part of the sales process of the cars. We actually had a door panel sitting there on the floor, and they told us that all Saturn dealers had this. And you were to step on the door panel, and it would bend, and you got off it, and it popped back into shape. There was also a scratch in the panel because the panel is molded in color. So even though it was scratched, you would have scratched the clear coat off of it, certainly. But it was color all the way through. So it didn't look like a scratch. And that scratch wouldn't rust. 
So if you just washed it once in a while, you had very little rustage problems. You don't see any rusty Saturns around, okay? Of course, you don't see any Saturns at all around. It was a different kind of company and a different kind of car. Either way, you know, that thing, that was a thousand bucks then probably for that. And the Scotch guarding, uh, which was another four or $500 when they just spray Scotch guard on the seats. They would Scotch guard leather seats. I don't know how you do that. So <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And th this is why car dealers are terrible. You know, uh, you know, people are just trying to make a buck. And they, but the, the thing is, they're encouraged to sell you something that you don't need. You don't need. That is the problem of being on commission at a car dealership. And this is the thing that people always tell me about percentage and commission. And, you know, you should pay people, uh, you know, this way. No, you should pay people for the work that they do. When you encourage them by saying, the more you sell, the more you make. You, the people selling have an incentive to sell you something you don't need because when it comes to money, there are not that many people with integrity. So they're just encouraged to, oh, well, I'll sell you this. We'll sell this. We'll just slap all this stuff on you because I make more money. So you can't get a straight answer from people because you're unsure if they're uh, you know telling it to you to just sell you something or telling it to you because it is something you need. So you should either pay people a flat rate or an hourly rate. As simple as that. They shouldn't be paid based on that kind of stuff because you don't know if you're getting the straight scoop or not. The first Tesla Semi has been delivered to Pepsi, of all things. They got two of them, actually. And Elon Musk commented about a trip, and I want you to hear some of the numbers about this truck. So... It did a 500-mile trip at 81,000-something pounds because, I don't know if you know this, electric semis are allowed 2,000-pound variants because of the batteries. So they can actually gross 82,000 pounds. So that was a legal run in a, what he called a fully enclosed trailer, meaning a van trailer. Maybe that's what they're called where he's from, which could possibly be Mars. So anyways... The battery pack, it's a megawatt, one megawatt battery pack on these things. So what do you think about that? They plan on 70% charge in one of these fast chargers for the trucks in 30 minutes. That'll get you 350 miles about. The, it still had a few miles left, but let's say it has a 500 mile range. It took as much energy to charge that after driving 500 miles as it takes to run 33 homes for a day in the United States or to run one household for 33 days over a month of electricity for a home it took that semi used in a little over eight hours <laughs> we think about that now if we changed all the semis to this is there enough power to power all these trucks now for every 12 trucks Okay, that could run a house for a year. They would need as much power as a home uses for a year for every 12 trucks every single day. The other thing I want to talk about are numbers for your owner operators. So to go 500 miles at the current price at 8 miles to the gallon would cost the average semi today around $340, depending where you filled up and what state, uh, not minus any discounts or whatever you get, just at the pump price. 
Okay, the average cost per kilowatt is 16 cents in the United States. Okay, and uh, depending when you charge it, maybe more or less. What do you think about that? That means from empty, this thing takes $166 to fill it up. Half, a little less than half of the price, depending on where you buy your diesel and where you buy your electricity. So that would mean the average semi would have to get 16 miles to the gallon to be as efficient as the truck. That's pretty interesting numbers. Now, he hasn't released actual uh, prices, so and Pepsi wouldn't say anything. They didn't say, oh, where is how much it cost or whatever. But you also have the benefit of no oil changes. So we don't have to run this thing by the Speedco and get oil changes, which can be expensive. So that's more savings. Interesting. And it's faster than a semi and quieter. Now, will it hold up to the rigors of driving? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If the price is anywhere near competitive to a current semi, uh, this is a big deal. Now, where are you going to get all the power to power them? Well, I think that's going to be another problem. If you put thousands of these in use, that's, you know, hundreds of years of uses from a home. Right? 12 semis charging every day would use as much as a house uses for the year. A year. Okay, so this is not some trivial thing where, oh, Mark, you're just blowing it out of proportion. Not true. Okay, that's what he said. That's what he said. 33 days of power per truck to run 500 miles. That's major. So could we convert all the semis to electricity? Not right now. Now, well, they already got brownouts. Are they already in, when it was hot this summer in California, they already told people to cut back on their energy usage. And that's Governor Newsom came out and said, you know, hey, maybe you could charge later or somewhere else and, you know, turn your air conditioner to warmer. So you, it's not like you could just plug in, you know, 10,000 trucks every day in California and plug them in and get them charged up. There's not them. We don't produce enough power for that yet. So that is a big problem. But what do you think about those numbers? If you're considering a new semi, would you consider a new Tesla semi considering just considering it would only cost half as much to fill it up? And if you drove 500 miles, you could easily fill this thing up overnight if there was some charging. On, you could figure some route out where there's both end charging. <clears throat> and I will say it looked like the same size plug. Whether Tesla lets you plug into the car chargers like the one here at Meyer. I don't know. I don't know if it would fill the thing. It would only take a few hours at one of the, even the V3 car chargers to fill the thing up. Maybe three, four hours. You could plug it in overnight. How will it work? I don't know. Would you consider one? Let me know. So an astute listener sent in this to me, and I thought it'd be uh, funny to uh, post it out here. So we're going to talk about, today we'll wrap it up by talking about some stupid laws that, uh, that there are in uh, some states like uh, let's start out here with Idaho and I don't know if we'll get to any other states um, it is illegal to use a wheeled apparatus on municipal property uh, bicycles may only be used in the wheels down zone as long as the, the wheels remain on the ground while the bicycles in motion meaning 
but it says bicycles are not allowed to be used and tennis courts. Okay, it is also illegal to lead an animal on a sidewalk that is made of cement. You cannot walk your pet on the sidewalk in Boise, Idaho, if the sidewalk is made of cement. Are these enforced? I don't know about that. Now, if you have a dirty sidewalk out there that maybe you want to lead your animal on, but it's dirty, even though it's cement, you cannot sweep your debris from the sidewalk into the street. Okay, it should be illegal for any person to sweep dirt, trash, or rubbish onto any city street from their sidewalk. How about that? You're also not allowed to sleep in a dog kennel unless you're a dog. That's interesting. Snakes. So if you're a snake, you cannot bite a human on Sunday. <laughs> I Look, I don't make the laws. So snakes are banned from biting humans on Sundays. Now, say you're a widow, which I feel bad for you. So your husband is died and you're a widow. Do you know it is illegal for a lawyer to charge you a fee to move your piano from one room to another? How did this come about? So this is a statewide ban. Where, what happened? What widow was charged a fee by a lawyer when he tried to move her piano? He's like, she's like, you know what? I need to get this law changed. And they did. So also, it's illegal to ride a merry-go-round on Sundays. So I don't know what they do at the fair there. Um, in Idaho, it is illegal to cut off your friend's head with an axe. That is true. Now, here's an interesting one, to, which there's no way they'd be able to enforce now. It is illegal for anyone over the age of 88 to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> They're not going to be allowed to do that, I'm sure. I wonder if anybody's ever been ticketed for that. So I don't know if people get ticketed for that that stuff. So children uh, up to the age of 14. So once you're 14, you don't have to do this anymore. But up to the age of 14, you must carry with you a signed certificate, which is signed by your parent or parent testifying that you regularly brush your teeth. Yes. Now, here's another one of those that when did this happen? When did this happen? So in Boise, residents are not permitted to fish from a giraffe's back. How often does this happen in Idaho? Are there wild giraffes that hillbilly potato heads are jumping on going, hee-haw, we're going to catch us some Idaho trout fish or whatever they have up there. And uh, so then... (laughs) I mean, they took the time. The thing is, they took the time to make this law. So this had to be, somebody had to present this law, and it got voted on and then signed by the governor. That's what I'm saying. You may not walk down the street with a red-tipped cane. I don't know why that might be. I see people with a white cane. They don't see me. (laughs) Ha ha. Bazinga. Now, unless you go talk to the sheriff in Idaho, you cannot buy or sell chickens after sundown. You need the sheriff's permission. It doesn't say it has to be in writing, though, but I probably recommend it because how else would you prove it, right? So in Idaho, it is illegal, illegal for a man to give his sweetheart a box of candy weighing less than 50 pounds. Yes. 
So I, you know, where do these kind of laws get started? How do these, how do these come to, to be? Did some scorned woman say 48 pounds of queen and cordials? What do you think I am? And so then they marched down and got that law changed. So to not leave Indiana out of it here where trucking answers originates from, I'll give you some laws here in Indiana and these are still on the books, you know. So you either have to pick kissing or having a mustache in Indiana. You can't you can't kiss anyone if you have a mustache. So where that came from, who knows? So on Main Street in Evansville, Indiana, it's illegal for you to have your vehicle lights on at any time. And I assume this came from when cars were just coming into uh, being when there were still horses. And what I think probably happened is some horses got spooked by cars with their lights on. And so they probably said, look, you can't have the lights on because this is where all the horses come. I can imagine Main Street as being some kind of business district at that time and what, 1900 age right in there. And they just never changed the law. <laughs> All right. Now, it's illegal to bathe between October and March. I don't know if that means showering also. In Warsaw, Indiana, okay, uh, near the circus capital of the uh, state, it is illegal to chuck your couch at your neighbor or uh, chunk it, depending if you listen to the Office Ladies podcast. So either way, you can't <laughs> you can't do that. So Beach Grove, Indiana, is unlawful to eat watermelon in the park. So uh, why that would come to be, I don't know. It seems like a good place to, uh, you know, cut up a watermelon and uh, and eat it. I love watermelon. So in Indiana, it's illegal for bars and restaurants to give away free drinks. And I know this from uh, some other things that I've read about. Happy hours are not allowed here in Indiana, if I remember right. Right. So you can't do that kind of thing. Uh, so in a bar, it's illegal for men to stand. So if you're drinking in a bar, you have to be seated. So, of course, this goes back to Evansville. As it's, horses have the right of way. You can't pass a horse on the street. And I assume that goes back to the same kind of thing as Evansville with the lights on the cars. In Gary, if there's anyone left there, <laughs> the in a theater, a public streetcar, or movie house, you're not allowed to enter within four hours of eating garlic. <laughs> somebody i'm sure got um nasally offended many years ago by that so now here in indiana unlike some places state officials cannot participate in a duel so they're prohibited from being in a duel which probably saves a lot of their lives in elkhart barbers cannot threaten to cut your children's ears now i remember as a kid my grandfather would take me to the barber shop but uh, an actual barber shop, not a salon like they have today, where they would cut your hair with a straight razor and stuff. Although I don't think the barber ever threatened me. Uh, that was over in Seville is where that was. You can be flogged up to 100 times in Indiana if you forge a check. And you can also not catch a fish with your bare hands. So you can't just reach in there and grab a fish. It's illegal. Did you know that? In Indiana, that is illegal. I wonder if any uh, fishing game people ever stop people for doing that. I guess they could. It goes, hey, this is illegal. Now, this goes to our scientific and mathematic heritage in Indiana, because as you know, Indiana is known worldwide as um, a thought center um, and a breeding ground for geniuses. 
and others that are thought leaders in the world of science and mathematics. So in Indiana, legally, they legally put down that the value of pi shall be three, even. So, okay. Look, I don't know how you could vote on this. How do we vote on the, this is why, this is another reason we're not on Mars, really, is that you can vote on the value of pi. We don't get to vote on the value of pi. Okay, it already has a value. We can't change the value in the law and go, you know what, here in Indiana, it's three. And as well of all our circles are ovals here. Okay, that's why. That's Look at the Indianapolis 500. They used pi to make that. Okay. Pedestrians crossing the highway at night are not allowed to wear any taillights. So if you're crossing the highway at night turn uh, on foot, turn off your taillights. And one more thing, which goes back to the circus thing, which I call animal prisons. Okay, and uh, as an aside, my sister-in-law just posted some pictures that she had gone to some Shriner Circus there, and I said, and I, <laughs> I sent her a message. I go, now, did you pay extra for the VIP package so you can personally beat the animals, or did you only let them do it? So, uh, in Indiana, you may not force a monkey to smoke a cigarette. Um, I suppose if he wants the cigarette, I guess you can give it to him, but you can't force him to do it. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know where some of these come from. Some we do know where they come from, though. But some I don't know where they come from. Well, I hope everyone has a good day out there and be and be safe and is safe. For Gracie here at Trucking Answers, we shall return soon with another podcast. Be safe on the road. Get paid for your time. Okay, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>